one and we are live welcome to seize your mind this is a podcast about soccer mental toughness and life i'm your host brandon stone today's guest is luchi gonzalez head coach of fc dallas how are you luchi i'm good brandon thanks for having me on thanks for coming so for those of you who don't know his background he started off with the uh, smu mustangs back in 1998, 48 goals for them, according to Wikipedia. Um, then he went on to the MLS, San Jose Earthquakes, Sweden for Bowdoin's BK, Sporting Cristal in Peru, Colorado Rapids, Miami FC, Minnesota Thunder, U17 for the United States, and then from 2012 to 2018, FC Dallas Academy Director, and now Head Coach for FC Dallas. Did I get all that right? I think you did great. All right, all right. So tell me, how did you get to where you are today? I know I kind of went over where you where you went, but uh, walk me through like childhood, growing up playing soccer. What made you fall in love with the sport? What made you get real serious about it? And what made you get into coaching later? So my father was, you know, uh, he immigrated from Lima, Peru. Uh, I grew up in Miami, Florida. So, you know, soccer was a big big passion in my home. Uh, although when I grew up, Peru was not frequent in, in World Cups. All, you know, so that last World Cup that Peru got to qualify for was the first time in 30 years. So that was a big, that was a big deal. But, you know, I, I grew up um, watching the Argentine League. You know, the River Boca Derby was, was amazing for me to see on, on TV growing up. Um, that was a intense rivalry, yeah. Correct. And, and so I, I, you know, I followed, I followed, I was, a, I would love to watch. And then I played and I participated in that. And I was a pretty, you know, okay youth player. And then as I got into my teen years, uh, I started to really improve. And I was part of a youth national teams. I played a U17 World Cup. I got recruited for different colleges. And, and then I'm so thankful for the opportunity I had uh, with Shellis Hyman at SMU. And then you know, I, from, from freshman year, I got to participate and I was given opportunity and luckily I was able to take advantage of them. So, um, and you know, the transfer from college to uh, pro is sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So, you know, I, I experienced uh, a really successful youth and college career. And then professionally, I, I was a very uh, humble player, you know, uh, modest, very modest player. I, I jumped around teams uh, trying to play not necessarily my choice. You know, I, I, I was picked up here, waved there, and, um, you know, all, all learning lessons. And, and I think those experiences helped me. It humbled me. It humbled me and it allowed me to observe the game um, just as much off the field and on the field. And it also had me go through experiences that, you know, made me reflect on my youth development and the experience I had growing up. And was it was it good enough? I think my father did the best he could to provide for me um, the, what I needed to, to develop. Uh, but I didn't have this environment growing up like pro players have in Europe or South or Central America. There were no MLS academies. We trained only twice a week. The third training I got because I decided to do pickup with my friends or I did a personal session with some finishing with a side coach or I just play in my yard the other days a week. And that was good for me. Uh, it created uh, autonomy. It created my ownership of how much I can control to improve. But at the same time, you know, it also made me curious what else is out there that can be better to develop players to not just debut professionally, but to have careers professionally. So my, my curiosity in coaching and teaching involving soccer came in mid-career, mid-pro career, by the time I was 25, 26, I was assisting. Uh, I was an assistant coach in youth teams in Colorado, in, in Denver, Colorado, where I was playing with the Colorado Rapids. And I really enjoyed that. I was only doing it as a side thing for supplemental income and just to get a little taste of it. And then as I started to wind down, and I could have kept playing a few more years. I was with Minnesota Thunder. It was, it was USL, USL then. And I decided to stop playing and I could have played a probably a few more years in the second division, but um, I made a commitment to myself and my family. I was going to pursue coaching and teaching and, and I uh, never looked back. So 
it's all been natural. It's all been organic. And, but uh, um, I, I'm really grateful for the opportunities I've had now with FC Dallas and them really helping me mold into the teacher and coach that I can be and father and husband that I can be. And I just hope to keep learning and keep trying to develop players and people to, to their potential so that they can have careers. That's a big difference for me is it's not about making a kid debut. It's not about a debut. Anybody can debut in anything, not just in soccer or professional soccer, other sports, other industries. It's about sustaining. It's about a career. And that takes a really a good environment of polishing, of adding ingredients, a pathway that, is, that allows your people and your players and your coaches to keep these um, keep these characteristics and, and improve them as they, as they mature and have careers. And I think that's where the U.S. is evolving still, and I'm really proud to be a part of that process. So it's not just about getting there, but getting there and staying there. Correct. Gotcha. Tell me more about your, your childhood. Do you have a favorite memory from, from your childhood soccer that kind of sticks in your mind when you think back on it? Singing. I remember my youth team, we sang a lot. And we sang, you know, those Argentine chants. Uh, if we won the, the regional or the, the state championship, we, we would certainly enjoy singing. And um, again, these are amateur clubs. This is an amateur club. I play for a club called Strike Force, which is an amateur club in, in South Florida. It still exists. Um, and just, I remember... We would, uh, we would play a, a, a game that was uh, oriented around the ball, ball possession and keeping the ball. And I was a forward in that system. And I got to get on the end of a lot of things and score some, some uh, great team goals and some individual goals. But there was nothing like singing with my teammates um, that, that instilled the passion for the game. And, and, uh, and, and that's something that I think, um, I think brings out in me sometimes I get animated and uh, I show my emotion, but it's, it's all because of, uh, of care, you know, and, and I want players to know it's, it's, it's great to show those things as long as we channel it the right way and, and with ethics. But, but I, I, uh, I take a lot of pride in that. Have you brought singing that the whole singing thing along in your, in your coaching career and tried to share that? You know, with I, I have in the teams I coached in South Florida with, with Gulliver and Kendall, when I had the opportunities to coach there, uh, I was coaching a school called Varela Columbus. Those are some opportunities I had in South Florida that helped me uh, develop my passion for coaching and teaching in the FC Dallas Academy. Yes. Singing was a part of our curriculum and we would do like uh, chant competitions with teams um, just to, to develop spirit. We're human beings and we, it's important that we show our desire for what we represent, the team, the jersey, the club, the stadium, the facility, and the other age groups. So cheering for the other, other age groups at, at events. That's something that I, I really loved and I was a part of just in that planning, um, in thinking of ideas that our young players through coming through the academy can uh, connect with the jersey and connect with the spirit of what FC Dallas meant, that it's a way of life. It's not just uh, a football club. So uh, that's something that with the first team, we believe it or not, we've done some fun exercises where I've got the first team guys doing some chanting competitions. We haven't done it too much, to be honest. <laughs> we've, been, uh, we've been trying to focus on some other very important things. But every now and then, yes, it is important to remember that uh, there's a mentality, there's a spirit connected to how we want to perform. And uh, the more desire and hunger we have to represent a jersey, a shield, a community, uh, the more we're willing to sacrifice and give of ourselves um, energy-wise, men mentality. Uh, those things are, are intangible for success in, in this game. I agree 100%. Um, so there's something greater, a greater good, a greater purpose that unites everyone and, and makes people want to fight harder and uh, dig down deeper. Exactly, exactly. Awesome. And it awesome. doesn't matter, uh, yes, we all, I want all of my players to compete to be starting players. I mean, if they don't have that ambition, then they're not ambitious enough. Um, but, you know, is there, is there management of their ego and their mentality 
in the same direction of where the team's trying to go, the club's trying to go. That's where the connection of the jersey, the connection, your spiritual connection with the team and the group um, to be to be a great teammate. That's something that I really believe in in our style of play in the club and in our human in our human way. And uh, any type of top individual talent is gonna that that's gonna be a product that them thriving individually and being successful individually just will be a product a byproduct of the collective the collective. Uh, thriving in the collective efforts. I agree. I agree. Um, tell me about your favorite moment in at SMU. I know they're all, they've always been a powerhouse in the college soccer. Um, do you have a favorite goal you remember? Or so There's a funny picture, you know, one of the pictures of, of me in like the hall of fame area is me doing a bicycle kick and you know, if, if you really look at the background of the picture, um, I'm right next to my own goalkeeper. Uh, and uh, it was actually a clear. <laughs> it was act I was actually clearing the ball. So I remember always everyone saying, hey, what a beautiful bicycle kick. And did you score that? And then, and I just remember saying, actually, I was clearing it from the box. It wasn't an attacking opportunity. But it so was that, pretty. That, yeah, exactly. It looked pretty, but it, it wasn't to score. Um, but you know, I, my experience with Shellis is uh, very valuable for me. He, I came to SMU as this very creative flair type player, um, took a lot of risk. And, and of course, SMU took that and embraced that. But they gave me a lot of structure, gave me a lot of discipline, uh, showed me what respect was all about. And I thank Shellis for really grounding me and giving me, uh, you know, a uh, foundation uh being responsible not just as a player but as a student as a human as a teammate and uh and i'm thankful i'm thankful for that experience so maybe it's not some one exact moment uh but but i i'm just thankful that i had that experience to give me structure at smu and and to help me uh i wouldn't be the coach of fc dallas if it wasn't for the education i got that allowed me to teach to coach and get opportunities in some uh, prep schools, high schools, academies uh, before I came to FC Dallas. So I just, I'm thankful for that pathway. You know, now it's, it's different. It's different opportunities that are being created with MLS academies and the direct pathway to professionalism through a second team, a first team. Who knows maybe what could have happened to me if I was playing today. That goes for everybody that was, that grew up in my time. But um you know, I'm thankful for my experience, no regrets. Um, and I'm really proud of how far we've come to develop professional pathways that sometimes still require college and sometimes they don't, um, but that there's uh, more options now. Yeah, there's that. Uh, all, more than one road leads to Rome type thing. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the biggest thing you got from SMU were just some core values and core... Um, yeah. For sure, um, core values, structure, um, you know, role model, just positive people, just, you know, I mean, college is college. You, you see good and bad, right? And, and you know, um, just no one's perfect. Um, there's There can be distractions in college too, right? But uh, for the most part, for the grand part, most part, you know, I was around really positive people that, that were wanted to get an education, wanted to get good grades, and wanted to um, serve. serve uh, college soccer, there's a really a beautiful unity to that because I think your roster is almost like 30 players. There's a lot of kind of unlimited type subbing. Um, it's a different, different rules than, than professional soccer or even youth uh, in the academies, not, not, not um, non-academy. But, um, but in that experience, you, like what, some of my best friends, some of my best friends from college who are friends for, best friends for life for me, you know, they weren't some standout player in the, in the team, you know? And in fact, some of them, they barely played. But that's what a college environment does is treats everybody very the, the same. And, uh, and that, that experience is good. It's a, it's a positive one for, for, for you to have when you're young, when you're a young uh, young man. And I think it humbles you and it 
makes you respect everyone and, and appreciate uh, relationships. So respect for no matter where they fall on the totem pole, treat them all the same. 100%, 100%. And I, I, I'll, I do embrace that experience that college, college shows, college teaches you that value, that the team is number one, the group. Right. Um, ahead of yourself. <laughs> Correct. Specifically. Um, tell me your favorite moment in, as a player in the MLS. Was it a goal you scored? Was it a, a, just a bonding moment? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Actually, I scored against FC Dallas in Denver in a game that my parents came to visit me. And it was, it was a very, it was a very opportunistic goal. It was like, ball bounced around near the goal line. I just slid and, and put it in. It was nothing, nothing fancy. Believe me. Um, that, that was, uh, that was a, a nice moment, you know, uh, 2005 season. I got a lot of opportunities. I started a lot of games and, um, and I thought I did okay. I thought I, I helped the team qualify for playoffs and, but you got to produce as an attacking player, you need to produce and you score more goals. You need more assists. And I didn't, my numbers, um, maybe my effort was there and I, and I could keep the ball well and, and, do a lot of things for the team, but you know, I, I, I didn't perform statistically the way that, that I would have liked professionally. And, you know, and, and so MLS, I struggled to really uh, statistically perform, you know, and, and so I could keep the ball, I can move it. I could, I could, uh, I could do things to support the team, but if you're going to be an attacking player at the, at, in the MLS level, there's, there's a, there's a level of production that in that moment, in the teams that I played for, I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to do. And, you know, I, I would also say that there, especially like when I had my time in San Jose earthquakes, amazing, you know, Northern California is beautiful. I love the time I, I lived there for a year, love the people, the community. Um, I, I played eight games, you know, as a sub came off the bench and opportunities were were slim it was tough to get on the field and as a 21 year old you you just you're hungry to get opportunities and and uh, there was no second team there was no reserve team there was no team that I could play with to gain confidence gain rhythm and get game fitness so by mid-season I hadn't been playing good minutes that you don't get in training you need you need games to get those minutes to get that confidence and so the system I think um, early on in MLS, just because it wasn't feasible financially, it, it I don't want to say it failed a player like me, but it, it was uh, hard for a young player to try to, to get earn opportunities in the league. You know, you, Hey, and, and no, to, that, that makes me so much more respectful of those guys that did earn opportunities being young because they performed and they took, they grabbed those opportunities, but some guys need a little bit more, time and they need more support in other ways and, and I think a reserve team can bring that out of you and so that that wasn't in the structure or in the pathway early on and it's amazing that now we've evolved to having second teams that help develop more first team players you know because now you got a 21 year old getting professional minutes so he'll play 20 30 professional games maybe not with the first team but he's getting professional experience to help them develop and reach their potential and so it's connecting that bridge and Europe South America they have second teams that get to play these games and, and that helps those young professionals um, so but you know there, there's no excuse there that was a system and I and uh, and I just learned and I had to adapt to to my circumstances but um, I had some amazing memories you know I met my wife in Denver when I was playing for for the Rapids and and I think the Rapids was one of the better, best experiences I had. I was coached by Fernando Clavijo, and we made playoffs both years, and, and just it was nice to be a part of that. Um, you know, and then, and then where I was a little bit more protagonist, I played second division in Sweden, and I, and I was the leading goal scorer in the team. And I don't know on Wikipedia why it shows question mark, but I played like 28, 29, maybe 30 games, and, and I had a great experience. I almost was going to come back to that team, but then I had an opportunity to go to Peru, which is where my father's from. And what a pride it was to play professional in my father's country. That's, that was a big uh, moment for me emotionally to just play the game that I loved, that my father loved in my father's country. 
Before the team your father rooted for? You know, my father grew up being a Laú fan, Laú Universitario. And I have family members that are Alianza. And so Cristal was kind of, uh, wasn't in my family's support. Certainly is my favorite club in Peru. It will always be my favorite club because I played for them. Um, I really didn't have one because I didn't grow up in Lima. Uh, but my father, you know, as time went on, he had a, an a affection for, for sporting because they gave me an opportunity. And I love that experience in Peru. I got to play Copa Libertadores and I, I mostly came off the bench and just gave everything I could, whether I had one minute or 20 minutes or 15 minutes and scored a few goals, scored a few goals and almost stayed a year in Peru, another year in Peru. But then I had the opportunity in Colorado. So some of it was because I was getting cut or wasn't being re-signed or I was finding other opportunities to go. And I didn't really have a home in professional playing. I didn't, I didn't have a club that I can really say oh, I, I was there and I had a hundred games with them and, I wish, I wish in reflection I could have had that experience as the next player, but I had to go where I had to go. But as a coach and as a teacher, as a director, past director in the academy, there I feel very proud that I was able to, to grow in my career and, and learn and, and show some level of tenorship, you know, and, and be a part of something more long-term. So I'm in, I'm in my eighth year, um, going into my ninth year here soon. In, in just a month and that's crazy that I'm even saying that so I'm almost in so I and I hope to be here double that amount of time you know and and I know at professional level the, vol the volatility of the, of the job can be different but you know every action every inch of my my body and my family and we, we bleed red and blue red and blue I mean and, and FC Dallas is in my heart so uh, I'm just really grateful um, for the steps I've been able to, to take here in, in the club. Do you think playing at so many different clubs made you a better coach because you could get different pieces from each place? Yes, I think that helped. Um, I was coached by some, some guys I learned a great deal from, and I was coached from others that I really didn't have a, a big relationship, you know, close relationship with, but I, could, I still learned from them. Yeah, we always learn from our past teachers or coaches, and I also learned some things that I uh, – will want to do better, you know, not, and, and, and that's just uh, me, me personally, from what I experienced as a player, I always look back and say, look, I, I feel here, here I was treated fairly, maybe here I was overlooked or I wasn't commun I wasn't given this honest feedback or, um, you know, I, I, I don't ever look back and say, oh, I didn't get to play my position or I know you, you have to adapt to what you, you play, whatever position gets you on the field. But in terms of just like personal development, individual development to then help the team, that's where now I, I take a lot of pride in that. So whether a player is going to start today or tomorrow or in a year, that's not, that's not a big concern to me. My concern is that uh, I help provide an environment with the staff so that players grow and they learn and they improve. And so they create value for themselves and create values for the team. And that takes IDP, it takes individual development programs of which need good communication, honest feedback, that's timely, that's consistent. You don't wanna over-inform. You don't need to give a player an, uh, uh, feedback every week about why they're on the roster of this position. No, but there's little moments that you need to always connect and, and manage the individuals in your group so that they know where they stand but also know where they can be if uh, they make uh, adjustments and still no guarantees. But as long as they're respectful to the group and the team and trying their best and there's good communication, honesty, I, that player, we, ha we have that player's back. I've got that player's back, whether he's going to play for me for 10 years or he needs to move to a different team in six months. But as long as uh, they're doing things in that way, uh, we got their back. I've got their back and, and because I know they got the team's back. So they got the teams back, we got their back. So that, those are some things that as when I played in the different environments around the world and different levels, you know, I, I had some amazing experiences and I, and I had some negative experiences. And now, yes, of course, for sure, it helped form me and, and the criteria I want to make sure that are there in our environments and our culture and, and how, we, uh, how we train players and how we treat players. 
So you, you help the players know their strengths and weaknesses and then make sure that they are trying to improve on those weaknesses. Correct. And, and master their strengths. It's actually play to their strengths, master their strengths. I'm a big believer in, yes, you need to have a minimum standard and maybe some areas that are weaknesses or areas to improve and they need to improve because if your weaknesses are not the minimum standard, then it's going to be hard to, to, uh, to perform at the stand at the level. So yeah, we want to, we want to develop the, the weaknesses, but you want to master, you want to master strengths. You want players to always know that they are to be, they're there, they're themselves, they are going to be the best version of themselves when they play to their strengths. Uh, but how can they modify the weaknesses? How can they be aware and adjust and refine weaknesses or certain things that are not their strengths? That's, that's a balance, but it takes uh, a communication and a process and feedback and feedback and not being afraid to, and, and I'm not saying everything I say is, is, is right. It's just the way that as a head coach, I'm going to see things or we're going to see things as a staff. We've got to be decisive. And we're going to get it right sometimes, and we're going to get it wrong sometimes, but we're going to try our best to decide for what's best for the team to go in the direction of, of competing and, and winning uh, in, our, in our philosophy. So, um, and, and that's the process. Every day is an adventure in, in that way. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's adapting every day to the amount of communication you need to have with your, your staff, your players. And, and not just, com, you know, one-way communication, but this way too, like listening, listening, observing. Uh, that's just as important as anything I can say is how well I can listen um, because that's, that's how I like to lead. Um, that's the way that I like to work in terms of collaboration, in terms of openness, uh, because how can I demand of someone else? How can I demand and, and of someone else if, if they can't count on me to also uh, listen, you know? How, so I, I always love the saying, uh, to be, to be uh, a good teacher, you must first be a good student, you know? And so I really believe in that. And that's about modeling those behaviors. What, um, besides the chance do you do to help the team be more cohesive? You know, I, I think, um, I think a lot of it's natural. Just, just the guys in the locker room, you have some social things that, staff don't are not even involved in that they they naturally click and, and connect on in different things social media or how they communicate in person online and said with technology um and then intentionally because we want guys to have chemistry on the field and we want guys to read each other on the field and and respect each other and and get each other's uh support each other on the field and in the training it's just a constant environment that we want to provide that's that's positive that's supportive that's all but that doesn't mean that it's fluffy you know it has to be critical it needs to, we need to get in there we need to be direct sometimes and don't take a personal but but after training we're it's a, it's a hug i know right now there's distancing we can't do that but you know <laughs> but that's the feeling is, is give a hug you know embrace after training we competed you know today we did some training and it was very competitive you can tell guys got some, you get chippy sometimes, but you know, we want to create a boundary where that's tested. So guys are out of their comfort zone, but at the same time, when that final whistle is blown, we're a family, we're a team and we come together. So there, there's gotta be competition too. It's not all just rainbows and butterflies that, that everything is beautiful and perfect. No, we need to create chaos. And when you create chaos, it, it makes the team um, try to find, unity, try to find solutions, get them out of their comfort zone, problem solve. So those are the things that, uh, that the, the, the stimulus, we need to always be making sure that our elements in the training and over that process over and over, we believe it creates uh, more unity and it creates synchronization and, and the ability to adapt and read each other. So basically by creating problems, you bring them together because they have to work together to find the, the answer. Imagine you do a training all week where everything you, you plan is with very little chance of being a failure. That everything you did with your goalkeeper playing out of the back with the center backs and the, the, it was all semi-opposition, semi-opposition, shadow defending. And the, you, 
Oh, I make a mistake, I don't get punished. I get it back. I can keep playing. Oh, I got a poor touch, so I'll take an extra touch. Doesn't matter because I'm not being punished for it. So if you create these habits of not getting punished for mistakes, um, guess what happens in the real game? They make mistakes. You make a mistake, and then you meant psychologically, you can lose confidence, or you're not, or you lose your courage to play, or you you lose the ability to respond. So where do we want to really develop that? Is in the training. The training is where we want them to suffer and problem solve and and uh, be punished for mistakes. Of course, in a, an encouraging way, in a trying it again way, and in no fear, let's go, let's do another rep. And that's, this is the standard, that's not good enough. Let's do this better. You know, we gotta have that environment in training because in the game, when it's really the, the test, um, we're more ready, we're more ready. So, you know, you, you just have to play with that. And then not only are you preparing the team technically, tactically, in that methodology, but you're also creating uh, unity because there's engagement. Players are communicating. They're solving problems. They're having to discuss things, agree, disagree. Sometimes the, the closest moment I've ever had with my wife is the moment right after we had disagreed. We disagreed, and five minutes later, we're in, because of that engagement and that struggle of position and 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 right or wrongness which maybe doesn't even matter at, after five minutes, but you, then there's that moment where, you know what, this is a, this is a relationship that I really respect and I, and I love. Now, everything's about a, a balance because if you create so much chaos and friction that it creates a lot of frustration that, that then doesn't, that guys are not given the opportunity or the support or the confidence to fail and then, and then respond and, and get back up or do it again better, if you don't give them the opportunity to respond or the opportunity to resolve, then that does the opposite. Then that does the opposite. So we have to be very careful with those senses to make sure that it's balanced and we give the opportunity for a response. Gotcha. You spoke about confidence. What are some more things you do to help your players um, increase their confidence? And what worked for you as a player, as a forward? Uh, confidence is, is an interesting, it's a crazy word because, you know, you have a lot of people say, yeah, I need to be more confident. But like, what does that mean? I need to be more confident. You, you can't just snap your fingers and say, okay, I'm confident now. It doesn't work like that. Confidence is actually what you're going to exude. Like you can actually say, Hey, he showed confidence like after the fact, because maybe he, was consistent with his passing. He, he, uh, his body language was, was very positive. Um, he wanted the ball. Oh, wow. That player is showing confidence, but, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to, for me before the fact say, Hey, you need to, why aren't you showing confidence or you need to show confidence? Like, I think that's a word that I, I like to use after the fact, because before, if you want to show confidence, you can't control confidence. Like, hey, be, Lucci, be confident. Like, uh, it's not something I can control, but I can influence it. I can influence this perception of my confidence. How can I influence it? It's the things I can control. What can I control? I can control my energy. I can control my body language. I can control uh, my concentration my my focus you know i can control my response to uh, a mistake by just trying again trying again doing it with uh doing it like i like i didn't fail like knowing that um it, it's okay to fail i mean th there's things that you have to be very conscious of that to control and make habits of in your training and then, and then in your games as a habit, that can then, after the fact, be perceived as confident, showing confidence. And so I think I've just said a few things, but those are the things that, that I think are important to, to show. You know, um, I think performance, again, is like confidence. Like you can say after the game, this player performed seven out of 10. This player 
had a, he was 95% or 60% consistent with his pass accuracy. Oh, wow, 95% is excellent. 60%, wow, well, he didn't perform well. But, but a mentality, and this is something I, I'm learning with, um, we have a, a great uh, guest uh, sports psychologist for the team, Dan Abrahams, and he's really helped us with this understanding of mentality and how mentality is something that you are, you are deciding bef before you show a performance that can be rated, you're going to have a mentality that's, that's going to be either excellent or poor. Because an okay mentality is going to create a very low performance. And a poor mentality is going to most likely create a worse performance. But if you have an excellent or, or reach for an excellent mentality, then you can maybe perform not your best, but over 10 performances, nine out of those 10 are going to be above average to very good to great performances because you had an excellent mentality. Whereas if you had a, a below a poor mentality, you, then your performances are going to average to middle to low. Maybe you have a great performance with a poor mentality that you got. That's that can happen. Maybe your opposition was just non-existent that day, but for the most part at the high level at professionalism, especially in Europe where Dan Abrams has experiences overseas in Europe, you need to have an excellent mentality every day, not just in your game day, but every day. And that's where um, that mentality is going to then give a, an end result of a performance or an, a perception of confidence. What all is makes up a good mentality? Like, cause that's kind of a broad, it's made up of several yes. things, right? Yeah. So, so um, simple things, simple things, again, things that you control. Things that you control, things that are positive. Things that are controlled, things that are positive, things that are simple to know what they are. So energy, just energy. If you have a lot of energy, uh, if what you do is with a 100% full commitment of a strong action, and that's going to allow you to gain confidence that's going to allow you to improve a performance that's a mentality that's i'm deciding to but give everything i've got um do you think nutrition and preparation before helps with that energy yeah preparation is of course uh very important um it gets farther away from the competition but it's yeah it's but but these mentalities are are the same off the field too or similar off the field too right like you know um it's, you know, talk about work rate or sacrifice or doing extra. Um, you talk about being um, like a optimistic mentality. So that's something big here in our culture. Here's whatever, you know, you, if you have adversity, how can you embrace that obstacle, that challenge and make it an opportunity? And that's where a mentality is important. So you can control that. You can say, look, uh, we're a man down. We're playing with 10. That means we've got, I've got to do more. I means I've got to pick it up. That means I've got to sacrifice more. We can like, we can do this because we're going to go above and beyond. I've got an injury. No, I've got to do my treatments. I've got to really watch my nutrition. I've got to um, study the game, analyze the game and improve my tactical technical analysis. So now I'm going to really be uh, doing everything I can uh, to get back. And so it's, it's like this response to go above and beyond. So, you know, it's, it's being down in a result. We're losing one zero. Okay. Now what am I going to crumble or, and, and think the world is ending? Well, no, you know what? This is a, this is a, this wasn't a good start, but now, now we're going to play better. Now my next action is going to be with more effort. My next pass is going to be with, uh, with, with more concentration. I'm going to believe I'm going to be more optimistic about, about getting to the next ball. You know, if when you start to show emotion, a frustration, poor body language, that's where you start to, maybe in your mind, you're not saying, I'm not thinking negatively. 
but you're showing it and you're, you're communicating it with your body language. So you have to really practice this. This is like a mindfulness in the moment of you're disappointed, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're not, you didn't start, your team is losing, you got an injury. How do you still put a smile on your face? Not a, not a bullshit fake, sorry, sorry to curse, but not a BS fake, you know, but just like a, you know, I'm going to come back from this. I'm going to respond. I'm going to do better. I'm going to be, I'm going to show, I'm going to get my position back. I'm going to get it. And I don't get, I didn't get it in 30 days, but every day I'm going to bring it even more so that I can get my position back. It's just a constant belief. Belief is important. Hope is important. Hope is so powerful because if you're like this, like what I'm, I'm communicating right now that I'm losing hope, that I'm frustrated, that I don't, and we're human beings and we're going to have that moment. We've got to just, we got to catch ourselves and I got to get every, I got to put energy into my next action. I got, I still got to track. I still got to make runs in behind. I still need to be in the box. So everything that I'm describing are things that you control. Yep. You control. And I think that's, that has to be very clear in, in how we train our, men, our mentality. Um, and I know I'm not a player anymore. I wish I would have known a lot of these things, maybe psychologically when I was a player, but now as a coach, I have to make sure I am, I, I do the best I can to model what I'm, what, what we think is important so that the players also see their staff, their coaches that, that are, that are also going to deal with adversity and, and deal with things. But, but I think uh, we have the opportunity to model things because players are going to mirror. They're going to mirror kind of what they see. Humans are going to mirror things. So, um, and then to see the players do that on their own over time, over this process is, is so it's amazing. It's a proud moment, whether we win or lose, but just to see them doing that well is going to allow for more wins, more wins over time and more, opportunity for success or growth in the long run you know because Michael Jordan had to lose a lot of uh, games and playoff games and and have a lot of failure and miss shots miss winning shots to then learn to win the games make the shots and be great over time and people forget he was in the league for six almost six seven years without without getting to an NBA final you know so it, that's that's a that's a great look i know he had his strong personality and his ways with his teammates for motivation a lot of controversy in in the documentary i'm still i'm still watching it i'm following it as i can you know um there's a lot of elements involved in, in a team dynamic to be to be a champion but um but i i i love the process i love the journey and that's that's a an important thing to focus on because there's always tomorrow there's always not tomorrow. Tomorrow is actually too far away. There's always the next uh, 10 seconds. There's always the next hour. And then there's always tomorrow. There's always next week. And I, and I believe that I'm going to live and die by that mentality. And, and, uh, and I think that's important for, for the team dynamic. So what I'm hearing is we have to, when things go bad, when we go a goal down, when we get an injury, we have to, we make a decision whether we realize it or not to either let that destroy you or to, for it to be motivation to work harder, to focus on those things you can control, your energy, your belief, uh, your body language. Exactly. So, so, and it's endless. As long as you're breathing, you have the opportunity to respond. And that's what, how, that to me is what defines a, a person or a group um, or a team is how they respond. That, that's what, what for me defines them. And the response being a one of, of increased energy, increased focus, increased effort, not giving up. That sounds so like cliche, never give up. No, that's huge. Tell yourself that all the time and you're going to find success. Of course, I need to adjust tactically. Of course, I need to adjust uh, technically. Of course, I need to have a communication. 
of course I need to wear a certain uniform for the game that's going to contrast the like there's a lot of you know uh, criteria that that you, things you need to check to to do things go in the right direction but something as simple as just don't give up never that's, throw in the towel don't throw never never give up never give up you know and and okay there's reality too there's i've had some amazing young guys who have wanted to be in our FC Dallas Academy or try out with the first team. And they, unfortunately, maybe they're 25 and they have a level that's just not maybe uh, for the criteria we have in our first team. They just don't have that, that level. And, you know, I, that's, that's a point where maybe to be a professional player in FC Dallas is not the right option. That doesn't mean they can't play in another environment and find what we're all going to find our avenue and there, there, and what is a good fit for us mutually? You know, there's got to be a mutual interest. But when there's not a mutual magnetism over a lot of time, over time, we need to really reflect in that reality and say, okay, well, what I need to maybe change. I need to change my uh, stand. I need to think about doing something different. Life teaches you. Life is going to take you through these directions. Life took me to a point where I had to confront that my level wasn't going to allow me to play till I was 35 and make a lot of money and be um, on the senior national team and take care of myself and my family for the rest of my life because of my playing career. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the standard. I had to eventually, ex you know, I don't like the word accept, but I needed to understand uh, the direction I was going in. And, and I believe me, I clung on. I, I held on as long as I could. I could have held on in the minor leagues, right? I could have, I really enjoyed that. Um, one of my favorite seasons was was playing with Minnesota Thunder. I played every game, almost every minute, different position. I was, uh, you know, I was one of the, I felt one of the leaders in that team. And I retired the year after because my passion of coaching of the game, I knew I needed to do something. I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be really, really influential. And, and I wanted to, to – I didn't want to waste time growing and coaching and teaching, so I just decided to retire when I was 28, 29. And, but I get to a point where I needed, I needed to find that path. Life was making me – life was going to show me the path, but then I needed to be decisive in certain moments. But, you know, with – whenever you talk about these short-term short, short -term moments, in the short term, you don't give up. You don't give up. You don't give up. You keep fighting. I've, I coached, I'm not going to name a name. I coached a player last season that just, um, you know, just wasn't, he wasn't getting opportunities. We weren't seeing the, the characteristics we thought were what we needed for, for certain games and for many games. And, but this player didn't never give up. This player brought the same passion and energy and you could see him sometimes lose confidence, be disheartened, get frustrated. But he always made it a just just a little leap. Like if he showed frustration, like boom, the next second, no, 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 I'm I'm gonna give you everything in this rep. I'm gonna give you everything in this warm-up. I'm gonna give you everything in this exercise. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, I don't get it. Okay, I'm gonna keep working hard. I'm ready. And this is a player that could have easily just thrown in the towel and maybe be in a different club right now. But this player just didn't give up and it it that there was an opportunity that they earned and they grabbed it they didn't let it go and and yeah there's still going to be decisions in the future there's no guarantee for any player we have to take it one day at a time but it was just a great example again within the team um you don't give up you don't give up and i have a player that doesn't play here anymore he's playing at another club and i still keep in touch with that player and it was just the right thing for him to go in this environment and we went this way, he went that way, but he was so he was respectful. He always got his teammates back. He was great, great, great influence in the locker room. And I'll do anything for that kid that I can do, that I have the capability of doing. Because of that mentality, so you can have different, different stories, different results. But that player that's not here, he's going to be successful wherever he goes. And he might play in five different clubs from now, but because he doesn't give up, but he's doing it in the right way. So... Um, 
you know, taking it in a, in a micro moment, in a training or in a game, uh, it's just really important that we always are providing an encouragement of don't give up, don't give up the next play, the next ball, the next moment, the next moment is the most important. So I love that quote by Tom Brady. They ask him what his favorite ring is. You know, what's your favorite Super Bowl ring? And he says the next one, you know, the next one. And I love that. I love that. And it's so true. You know, if he says, oh, you know what? The second one. Now, when Tom Brady retires and, and he's done, you know, for sure done. It doesn't come out of retirement like four times like Brett Favre. But when Tom Brady is done and looks back, then he's going to say what his favorite ring was. But if he starts to show his teammates in Tampa Bay that his favorite ring was the second ring, he's already showing he's complacent and he's not hungry for the next moment. And that, I love that. And that's, that's, it's all connected in this mentality uh, topic. Uh, and, it's and it's just contagious. And it's, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the more guys on a team that have that, like you said, it's contagious, it's going to spawn. And you have a team that is not perfect, but they're going to have a, almost perfect mentality and they're gonna they're gonna learn to get results beautiful beautiful Luchi, this is has been a great little powwow session great little chat i love getting to know you knowing your personality knowing your values knowing how you um, be, became the coach that you are um i wish you much success in, in orlando um and I just want to say thank you so much for being on here. I know my listeners are going to get tons of value. I got tons of value from it. Um, and I just hope we stay in touch and I've got your back. <laughs> Brandon, I appreciate uh, the interest in FC Dallas. Uh, congrats on, on, on the program that you run here. And I'm just, uh, anything you need from myself or the club, uh, we'd be glad to be a part of the process. So all the best and, and uh, see you soon. Perfect. Thank uh you. -huh.